Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, here's the setup for the encounter that's about to happen. Jesus has just come down from the mountain after naming his 12 disciples. And he meets a mixed bag of people. There's people in this crowd that are other disciples, people who have been following and learning from Jesus. But then there's also this great multitude of a, of a crowd of a very mixed bag, right? We have this great multitude that's made up of bystanders, gawkers, curious Carls, skeptical Sallies, and tag-along Toms. And then there's this phrase, Jews from all Judea, and Jerusalem, which is a really odd phrase if you think about it, because Jerusalem is a city in Judea. This is kind of like uh, Texas. Is there anybody here from Dallas, Texas? Good. <laughs> so Texas is, is, is much the same. Uh, there are people in Dallas who definitely consider themselves Texans. But most of Texas does not consider Dallas, Texas. So it would be like saying people from all of Texas, even Dallas. It's kind of similar to what this phrase is getting at. People from all Judea and even Jerusalem, the, the religious center of the country, people have traveled outside of Jerusalem to hear this new teaching from Jesus. All Judea even Jerusalem. And Jesus, in this teaching now, delivers what seems like maybe a backwards blessing. And I say backwards blessing because uh, Jesus says that those who are struggling, those who are hurting, those who are poor, who are weak, who are hungry, they're blessed. Those who suffer on account of me, you're blessed. Right, there's this kind of interesting phenomena on social media, hashtag blessed, that uh, you, you link to whenever you feel like you've been abundantly blessed by God. You, you say, uh, I had a, an amazing day today, climbed a mountain, viewed a sunset, uh, hashtag blessed. Or a son or daughter just graduated with amazing scores, they're going off full ride to college, hashtag blessed. Or look at this amazing meal that I just prepared hashtag blessed. But that's not at all the concept that Jesus is talking about here. No, it really means that when I am poor, when I am weeping, when I am hungry, when I am persecuted, then I am blessed. Blessings really come through the difficulties. And this is what makes the, the blessings from God backwards, is that you are blessed when life is hard. But what in the world does that mean? In verse 20, and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and he said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now we know that this is not a, a financial statement. That Matthew digs a little bit deeper into this and says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Or to those who recognize the poverty of their own souls, that they bring absolutely nothing to the table when it comes to salvation. Their pockets are empty. And they are blessed. We need an outside source of saving. And it's only the beggarly in spirit, the poor in spirit, that no matter what wealth of money they possess, 
they are blessed. Well, then who then are the poor in spirit? Well, those who have been emptied of themselves and have room to receive the blessings from God. Now, this is in contrast to the, to the Pharisees who have, have uh, filled themselves with piety and religious practices and their own goodness and keeping the law. They have no more room to receive any blessings from God. They are full of themselves. But we see Peter a few weeks ago demonstrating his spiritual poverty when he fell on the feet of Jesus just this last week and said, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. That's what the poverty looks like in our own lives. That we use repentance to empty ourselves. We confess ourselves empty and we offer our sins to God. Jesus comes and removes that sin from our lives, making room in our souls for him to pour out his abundant blessings, to be filled. Empty hearts he can fill. The hearts that are already full of pride, our own riches and claims, he has no more room to fill. They're filled with themselves. And so to these beggars, these poor in spirit, Jesus says, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. In Matthew, Matthew writes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You know, we instinctively know that right now this world is not right. We recognize that there is brokenness, that this is not how life is supposed to be, and we hunger for the world to be put right. This hunger grows when we have eyes to see the truth of our poverty and our need, the brokenness that we are powerless to restore. When we know that there is no earthly government that can make this world right. There are no laws that can be passed that will right our land. There is no surgeon who is capable of healing every disease. When we understand that no political party has everything right. When we fully come to grips with the fact that our sin makes us enemies of God. That we are helpless to do anything to fix any of this mess. Creation itself cries out to the creator for restoration. Thy kingdom come. Lord, put this world right. And blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. This weeping in Matthew says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What causes you to weep, for your soul to ache? Thinking about that myself, it's the, the broken hearts that I see in those around me. When I see division in our world, when I observe Christians who respond out of anger instead of love, for people who feel disconnected from God's love at church. I weep because I am powerless in many of these areas. I weep because I cannot put the world right. I weep, and Matthew says you shall be comforted. Comfort. What comfort can we have but that in knowing that Christ has conquered death? He's defeated sin. The enemy, has, the, the enemy Satan has been, has been banished. The cross and the resurrection of Jesus has changed absolutely everything. And in the end, we have this promise of not weeping, but laughter. No more sorrow or weeping or death. 
Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Matthew says it this way, blessed are you when others revile against you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. I don't know about you, but I hate to be hated by people. I, in my core, am a people pleaser. I like people who like me. I'm sure I'm not the only one in the room, but to be hated. Have you ever been bullied or excluded or hated because of something that you've did, something that you've done wrong? Well, this is not that. Because we all justifiably should be hated by the things that we do wrong. But here it is not what we have done, but, but by the proclamation of the gospel, by speaking Jesus' name into people's lives. That when you are hurt or wronged or excluded or wounded or hated, for Jesus' sake, is what this is referring to. Blessed are you. I hear this more of, this is, uh, this is for those who reject the Son of Man, therefore they will also reject you. So fear not, for you will be blessed. See, we are blessed not in spite of the persecutions, but because of them. They become medals of honor that when you, in your boldness, speak about Jesus to those in your, in your places of work, in your homes, and people hate you for it, those are medals of honor because it means you are actually doing what you are supposed to be doing. They attest more than anything else that we belong to Christ and not to the world. And I love how the blessings are described, right? Are you poor in spirit? Are you hungry for righteousness? Are you weeping and mourning? Have you been hated, excluded, reviled, and spurned because of Jesus? Then you are blessed. Yours is the kingdom of God. Your world will be put right. You will be satisfied, having no need whatsoever, total fullness of life, you will laugh. There will be joy that just bubbles up from inside of you. Your reward is great in heaven. And then Jesus does this amazing thing with his gospel. He, he reverses everything. There are a whole lot of paradoxical statements in this passage. First, notice that all the way through Jesus says, blessed are you. Blessed are you. Now you're weeping. Something's going wrong in your life, but you are blessed. To be blessed is this concept of being deeply satisfied. Having a total calmness and peace about you and knowing that all of your true needs, your eternal needs, are already met. You have all that you need today. Jesus says a Christian is somebody who can weep and still be blessed, recognizing that there are difficulties and hardships that we face in this world because of its brokenness, because of our brokenness. But even in the midst of them, we can be blessed to rejoice in that day. And Jesus says, when you are persecuted, I want you to rejoice in that day for yours is the kingdom of heaven. You will reign with me forever in that day is not referring to judgment day. 
but the day of your persecution, the day that you experience and encounter these pains. Great is your reward in heaven. I think to Acts chapter 7, where we have Stephen. Stephen is uh, proclaiming Christ, and because of that, he is about to be killed for it. He's in the process of being stoned, stoned to death, and how will ever he handle this with courage, with faith? Well, he speaks these words. He looks to heaven, and suddenly he says, I see the glory of God. I see Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of the Father. Knowing his death is near, he looks above and sees God. To have that heavenly perspective, to know that this persecution is bringing about the kingdom of heaven even faster for him, he knows his time is close, and he takes great comfort by that. A Christian is somebody who who says, I've lost recognition in the world, but I'm famous with God to be able to be weeping but still blessed, to be excluded by the world but welcomed by God. Jesus, in his ability to have empathy and compassion for us, he knows what it's like to weep, to hunger and thirst, to be persecuted. Jesus indeed hungered and thirsted He hungered in the wilderness as he was fasting, preparing for his ministry ahead. We know from one of his last words on the cross that he thirsted. He understood those feelings. And he certainly wept, looking out over the city of Jerusalem, the place that's supposed to be all of Judea and even Jerusalem, this religious center with its lost focus, like sheep without a shepherd, He weeps, and his heart still breaks today for those who do not see their own spiritual poverty to recognize their incredible need for Christ, or for those who weep for things of this world. And Jesus was indeed hated. He was mocked, beaten to death within an inch of his life, and then that last inch of his life was taken by the cross. And he was dying not just with physical wounds, but with our spiritual poverty, our souls filled with sin, he died. And with this focus and this perspective, God calls us and fills us with faith, a faith that calls us further in our life. The words that Jesus shares today could be a little bit difficult to hear for an affluent society. We are rich. In so many ways. And yet Jesus' word is blessed are the poor. If you are rich enough to provide for yourself, see your earthly treasures as earned by the sweat of your own brow and to be used to build and establish your own kingdom on earth, you believe that all you have is yours, is not owned by God, given to you on loan for you to be a steward with which to take care of the kingdom of God. See, the riches of these rich consist of anything in which their souls trust, something that they rely on, believe in, that they do not need to trust in God or in Christ. The impenitent, those not sorry, the hearts that are not contrite, those are the rich. And woe to them. 
St. Luke's Lutheran Church is indeed affluent. But you are also very, very generous. Could we be more generous? Sure. Could we do more in the community? Sure. Have we been given much? Absolutely. Is much expected of us? Certainly. Now, on one hand, on the hand of the law, there feels like a lot of pressure to do great things with all that God has given us to do. But on the other hand, on the hand of the gospel, there's this joy and freedom to live out our Jesus adventure without fear, with bold humility. See, at St. Luke's Lutheran Church and School, we value inspiring faith-formed lives. And faith calls us farther. Jesus says, woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. You see, those with full bellies but with no faith in Jesus will be left hungering for Jesus' righteousness. Those who laugh and dismiss Jesus shall be mourning at the second coming with gnashing of teeth. This laughter that Jesus speaks about in the first part, those who weep will laugh is not the mocking type of laughter he's talking about for those who have woes, but pure joy. It's not happiness. It's joy, not based on circumstances, but on the condition of faith that we have, the sure and certain knowledge of Christ. This kind of laughter is is an amazing thing because there's endorphins inside the laughter that makes you feel even better. From a financial standpoint, you you don't have to get rid of all your money so that you can be financially poor to receive the blessings of Jesus. You just live generously with it. It means you're going to be so generous with your money, but it also means you're going to be so generous with your heart that you want to invest in relationships with those around you, to care deeply for those with which you spend your time, to be so involved with trying to help people work out their differences that sometimes people get upset with you. Christians know that when you're poor, when you're weeping, when you're empty, that the kingdom of God is close, is near. Like Stephen being able to see and look above and see Christ standing with the Father. This is another way to which this upside-down kingdom says strength is weakness and weakness is strength. When you have really come to know yourself, when you really come to meet Christ, when, when have you really come to get connected with God? More than likely, it's not during the difficult times. Not during the easy times, excuse me, but during the hard times. When the metal of your faith is tested. As I reflect in my own life, the most difficult moments that I've personally experienced, and when I can see the amazing blessings that God has poured out, not in spite of them, but because of them, there's this rich satisfaction in knowing that nothing that I face today uh, will be so bad that God's blessings through them won't be so much better. The hard times in my life I look back on today with joy because of who God has shaped me and made me to be through them. It's a very familiar phrase that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character hope. And that hope shall never disappoint. 
There's an acknowledgement in this Christian life that there will be suffering. There will be difficulties. But we're strengthened by God in faith to persevere, to hang on, to not let go and not give up. But to know that those difficulties just point as signs that Jesus is coming close. And those hard times, as we persevere through them, they reveal their character who you really are. And, and maybe when those difficult times and the perseverance reveals a character that you don't like to see, then maybe with prayer and practice, it's time to become someone of a different character, more of the character of Christ. And then to receive hope, to have eyes that see just like Stephen, that the kingdom of God is near. The world is about to be put right. May I give you a peace that passes all understanding to guard your hearts in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.